You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman has shown Gotham the true colors. citizens of Gotham to the Eternal Night, a podcast dedicated to the world's greatest detective, the Dark Knight of the DC Universe, Batman. I am your host, Craig Blaylock, alongside my heroic co-host, Philip Parker. Thank you for joining us tonight. Phil, how you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Just, just, yeah I'm, I'm all right. I mean, I can't complain. You know, we're back talking about Batman stuff, like always. Yep. You know, it's always a good time when we get together to talk about Batman. Uh... No, there's really not a whole lot of news surrounding Batman, but I did see today that there is a new um, comic, a couple comics, I should say, called Batman One Bad Day. And I guess it's a plethora of different writers and artists taking one villain at a time and doing like a big 64 pager about it. So that'll oh, be cool. That's, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's I saw that. But outside of that, um, I don't... Mordecai, really... don't you <sighs> dare... See, guys, Craig has a cat named Mordecai, and Mordecai loves to jump on Craig's computer and turn it off. He, li- it's almost like he was just like, "Oh, Dad, you, you, you're starting the show. All right, let me let me walk over here and let me get near your computer." Other way, shoo. Mordecai just wants to be part of the show, Craig. <laughs> Dude, that was that was hilarious. Literally, as soon as we started the show. Oh, you know what else did did drop? Um, I guess WB Games. I think they're a part of this. They'd have to be. There's a trailer for the multiverses game featuring, yes, you know, Batman, Superman, Shaggy, which I guess is going to feature godlike Shaggy, which is mm-hmm. cool for anyone in the internet meme zone. Yep. Yeah, I gotta admit, when I saw this trailer, or when I saw when I first heard about this, I was like, "There's no way this this game is happening. This sounds like bullshit." Yeah, I know. And then they showed off like the concept art and like the promo images and stuff, and I was like, "Oh, it's a thing, mm-hmm. and it's actually happening." I mean, that trailer, we got, what, you got Batman, you've got Bugs Bunny, Shaggy, uh, Shaggy, Superman, Iron Giant, which I like the way they ended that trailer, having Iron Giant come down and look at Superman. Harley Quinn, Tasmanian Devil, um, Steven from Steven Universe, as well as one of the other characters that I'm forgetting at the moment, Um, and Finn. Yeah, Finn and Jake. Finn and Jake. Jake. 
was it just i think it was just jake i don't know if finn was in there i'm i'd have to imagine if jake is in it then more than likely finn's probably gonna be in it too yeah but i i don't know um there's also one other character in there too that i'm not at all familiar with i also saw velma when they were all like you know they showed oh, really? the characters standing together yeah really i have to give them i'm going on the multiverse website because there's a way you can look at the roster i have to give them my date of birth to look at the roster okay so from the roster from just the picture i have here oh there is velma yep yep there's velma tasmanian devil harley quinn tom and jerry wonder woman i don't remember which one of the characters from steven universe but it's one of the women again uh garnet garnet thank you yeah Next to Superman, Batman, the Iron Giant, Bugs Bunny, one other character who I don't know at all, and um, Shaggy, Steven from Steven Universe, and um, Finn and Jake, and the Iron Giant. Oh, is the character, uh, is it the brown-haired girl? Yes. That's um, oh, Arya Stark from Game of Thrones. You're kidding. Mm-hmm. That is Arya Stark. You're kidding. Nah, I'm not kidding. <laughs> That's Arya Stark. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, they're throwing Game of Thrones characters into this kid, <laughs> kid-friendly fighting game. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I shit you not. I honestly do not know how I feel about that. Because when I first watched the trailer, I was like, "Who the shit is that?" Yeah, I thought the same thing. It took me a bit too because I. I'm looking at like the costume and I'm like, I could that be a comic book character? I am I just not seeing something right? But no, yeah, I'm looking at the roster right now on the official multiverses website and it is Arya Stark. Oh my lord, that is that's that's something. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just I I can't believe of all the characters you put yeah. in this game. Arya Stark from Game of Thrones? <laughs> yeah. What kind of sense does that even make? So so many Warner Brothers cartoons you could pull from. Warner Brothers movie franchise. Like, how is there not a Harry Potter character in here? I mean like, I'm not a I don't I don't I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but I'm just like you really? Not a single Harry Potter character? Well, at least Matthew Lillard's reprising the role of Shaggy. <laughs> yeah true but i guess macy williams is also reprising the role of Arya stark and i'm like <laughs> okay oh shit george newbert is superman again yes yep. oh that makes me so happy oh oh okay i can deal with i think that. it's i think it's interesting that tom and jerry according to the roster they are one character so i'm guessing it's kind of like a, a duck hunt dog situation yep. from or like banjo and kazooie from super smash brothers that's exactly what i was thinking yeah that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, when yeah. I heard Batman, I was like, oh, that's Kevin Conroy. There's... Yeah, no doubt about that. Arya Stark? Just... <laughs> what? Ugh. Ugh, I just... I don't get that decision at all. I watch some jackass on the internet. Because it's Warner, bro. Yeah, no shit, mm -hmm. Sherlock. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. It's all under the WB banner, but still, like, look at every other character in there and then tell me. Just tell me with a straight... Yeah, Arya Stark fits in that. No! No, she doesn't! 
I do find it kind of interesting looking at it that um, Harley Quinn's outfit is pretty much the outfit from the Harley Quinn animated show on HBO Max, which yeah, that's interesting tracks. choice considering that's a pretty mature show and this is a game geared towards kids. I mean, that character is malleable across a couple different ratings, yeah. honestly. I mean, she can PG, PG-13, rated R. We've seen, I've seen it all. I'm sure a lot of other yeah. people who listen to the show have probably seen it all too with that character if they're a fan of Harley Quinn. Um, matter of fact, when, when Suicide Squad, the first film was announced, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, I wonder how they're going to do that character, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Like, is she going to be sexualized? Is she going to be reined back? And then, like, the first costume photos debuted and, she, you know, she wore the outfit that was in the movie and people were like, I don't know about that. And it's like, uh have you read the comics have you seen what else she wears outside of the animated series because there's a penchant for it uh speaking of animated that actually kind of transitions into what we're actually here to talk about today yes Uh, you know hats off to craig he's the one who came up with this idea first it was not me uh craig had the genius idea of doing a top five because that seems to be kind of our shtick we do a lot of top fives on this show, and our top five today are top five animated Batman films. Now, there's like 20 or 30 that you could choose from. It is a lot. <laughs> I have five honorable mentions. I don't know how many Craig has. I know what Craig's number one is, but that's because if anyone yeah. listening to the show, you already know what Craig's number one is. Yeah. I might have told Craig my number one, but I didn't tell him it was my number one. <laughs> I think I have an inkling. I'm. I'll be. I'll be curious to see if I'm right. Um, and I have four honorable mentions on mine. Well, as we always do, we usually do our honorable mentions. We kind of breeze through them a little bit, and then we get to the meat of this. And then also we follow our. We follow. Wow. We end our episodes with a nice little teeny tiny review of another episode of Batman animated series. Yep. Which we did watch this time, again. Yeah. <laughs> and this was a fun one. One of my favorites, but. We'll we'll talk about it when we get there. But yep. uh, speaking of honorable mentions, my man, where do you want to start with yours? Are you gonna go top bottom or bottom top? Doesn't really matter. To me. Um, I'll go bottom top. So the uh, my bottom honorable mention, which by no means means it's a bad movie, just in terms of my rankings, just never. It's just kind of down there for me. Um, Son of Batman. Um good movie i enjoyed it it's just it's not very memorable for me i can i can see you holding your mouth shut <laughs> i'm not ready to talk about yep. <laughs> that movie yet. i'll just say that yeah um really the i mean the reason why for me it's at least worthy of an honorable mention for me is it gave us that really awesome uh damien and deathstroke fight which given the context having a little kid fight deathstroke they were not afraid to let him get banged up from Deathstroke too. There's, there's some pretty brutal moves in that fight of theirs. So I think my bottom one, you're probably not going to be ready to talk about. Yeah. My bottom honorable mention is Batman vs. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I'm not ready to talk about that yeah, yet. Yeah, I, I feel as much. <laughs> so the re- the, okay, I think the reason our honorable mentions are literally our honorable mentions is because our five are just, there's just... If we did a 10, this would probably be the 10, but right. Yeah, like, exactly. They're, they're, you know, we try not to sit here and gab all damn day, even though we'd love to. 
but you know the real world's a thing bills need to be paid etc mm-hmm. etc but um you know it's a more recent one my other ones are at the top cream of the crop the five because they've been out longer i've watched mm-hmm. them longer and i'm sure had i watched or had you know more time with batman versus teenage Mutant turtles there's a chance it could make it it's easily in my top 10 there's no question yeah. about that like i have 10 choices but my honorable mentions are the f- bottom five but the order of them is not chosen in any which way they are just ones that i put on as my honorable mentions i did not list them in any specific order so um batman versus teenage Mutant turtles is one of the best ones i think that's ever been made you know you get all four turtles you get batman you get damian wayne robin you get batgirl you get the shredder you get the joker you get a lot of batman villains in this movie it's Mm-hmm. really awesome i'm sure we're gonna talk more about it but um going up my number four is gotham by gaslight oh okay and that one i have not seen yet it's actually really fun it's really faithful if you've read both of the gotham by gaslight novels i've only just read the first one i haven't read the second one but from what i do understand that gotham by gaslight takes elements of both and kind of blends them together if I recall right, the Gotham by Gaslight is Batman trying to basically, he's trying to catch Jack the Ripper, essentially, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Yes, and the big difference from the book and the movie is Jack the Ripper's identity. It, I don't think it's ever shown in the book. In the mm. movie, they make it abundantly clear who Jack the Ripper is, and it is a big twist surprise, and I'm not going to say it here for you. Hmm. Interesting. I'll have to watch that on HBO Max soon. What about your number three honorable mentions? Uh, number three honorable mention is um, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. <laughs> There's another one. I guess you're not ready to talk about that yet. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I am not ready to talk about that movie yet. Um, and, and this one was tough for me because I really love Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Um for one key little segment, which I have mentioned in our legendary moments of the Dark Knight. Um, But it's just, again, this list is so tough that it just just eked out being in my top five. But by no means says that it's a bad movie. Yeah, I'm not ready to talk about this movie (laughs) yet. I'll just say that. But I will say that I adore Batman Beyond. It's one of my favorite versions of the character. Um, recently I re I, I always rewatch the first season for a lot of different reasons. Um, but yeah, like I, uh, I'm just not ready to talk about Batman Beyond Return of the Joker yet. So I'll just go with my number three and my number three is the long Halloween. Oh, I'm not ready to talk about that one. Damn either. it. Why is what this so hard? <laughs> oh, what are we doing? Oh, wow. We're terrible, aren't we? Yeah. Look, and again, just like we've told you guys before, Phil and I, we don't we don't compare notes before a show. We don't say like, okay, here's my list. What's your list? We even just though, throw it out there while we're doing the show. Even though we probably already know what each other's number ones are. Exactly. <laughs> but The Long Halloween is largely on the honorable mentions list for the same exact reason that T- Batman vs. TMNT is. It's yeah. literally so fresh and so new mm-hmm. that I don't know or feel super comfortable putting it up there. It's easily in a top 10. I'll know, I'll yeah. concede that, but top five, that's that's a tough call because yeah. anyone who knows me knows how much of an animation dork I am, and I love animated Batman movies. And 
you know, the long Halloween is newly it's it's new in the sense that it's got a lot of the new animation style to it. And I'm yeah. still kind of getting accustomed to it, even though I really like it. And I know a lot of other people actually had a lot of issues with the previous animation style for like, um, you know, the son of Batman and Justice League War, Throne of Atlantis, like that whole universe. Mm-hmm. I guess people weren't too keen on the animation style because I guess it's too anime. And I'm just like, all right. I thought it was fine. What? <laughs> yeah, right. Like it looks great. <laughs> you ask me personally but yeah the long halloween is literally on there because it it's so new and i i just can't justify putting it as a top five yet makes sense um next honorable mention for me is and i i'm guessing this isn't in your top five um so i gotta imagine we will actually be able to talk about this one um batman ninja that is not in my top five nor is it on my honorable mentions um i put this in there just because it's slightly newer what came out like 2018 Mm -hmm. um it's just fun that's the thing it's just a simple it doesn't have a lot of character development it doesn't have any in-depth story it's just fun and you can tell they just they had a blast animating this and throwing batman i mean come on the Batman goes back to feudal Japan to battle all his rogues gallery and it turns into a giant anime mech fight. I mean, come on. You know that they were not taking this seriously. They were just like, let's throw Batman in this ridiculous situation and go all out crazy with it. If you're a fan of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, this movie was made for you. Like, (laughs) a friend of mine, Kevin Kerrigan, who I've done a couple episodes of Superhero Stress with, he is all about this movie this is totally up his alley he's a huge anime fan amongst like many other friends of ours you know we're huge anime fans and i'm sure if they watch batman ninja they'd probably feel the same way i had no issue with it i don't think it's a bad movie by any stretch of the Mm -hmm. imagination it's just there are so many other animated batman movies that immediately come to my mind first and that one is just it's like you pointed out you know it's so fresh it's got a very different kind of taste to it it's got a very different kind of style to it even though it's pretty phenomenal for what it is all things considered but no, it, it, it is not on my honorable mentions list. And honestly, I feel like my last two on my honorable mentions list are going to get me a shit ton of hate. Because <laughs> because it was so difficult for me to not put these in the top five. Because my top five I have on there for very, very specific personal reasons. And um, my so second... I would say go, go with your two. Because I have a feeling my one honorable mention that I have left... Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Okay, <laughs> so... My second to last honorable mention, uh, this would be my number two honorable mention, and this is probably the most controversial one. And controversial, I mean, like, a lot of people have this as their number one. It's usually this one and two other ones that usually fight it out for best animated Batman movie. Mm. My number two honorable mention is Under the Red Hood. Ooh, okay. I'm not ready to talk about that one. I figured as much. (laughs) I figured. And look, it was really hard for me to even put this on the honorable mentions list because it's just such a damn good movie and i remember like it was it was in my top five for a very long time and then well another one came along and bumped it out (laughs) i mean that's what happens but it is what it is i think it's i think it's a really good one honestly i do um and the only reason i put it on the honorable mentions list is because another one on my list kind of does something similar and craig might have already mentioned it uh, okay. Yep. 
So you might see where I'm going with that. Yeah, I anyway, know where you're going. Yeah, so, but either way, you know, I think Under the Red Hood is arguably one of their best. There's no doubt in my mind about that. It is hands down one of the best Batman animated movies ever. But just on a personal preferential list for me, it just just missed the list. Yeah. Just, just, <laughs> just barely. And then my other one is actually Justice League Doom. We were talking about this before oh, we started recording. Oh, there we recording. go. There's, that was mine. Okay, cool. <laughs> So we're on the same page, yeah. Yep. And we actually have something fun in store for Justice League Doom here in the coming weeks or months. We are going to have a special guest, and we're going to talk through that movie in kind of a, a reunion fashion, because it is coming up on its 10-year anniversary. So Crazy. But that one's just, just as good. Like, it's a, it takes a lot of inspiration from one of my favorite Justice League runs, uh, Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, some, some things are kind of swip-swapped around, and... Um, I really like the voice direction, like the animation. I like the cover art they had for the Blu-ray where it's Batman holding the Batarang. The, the Batarang, of, yeah. The rest of the Justice League members, yeah. All in all, just a really solid movie. Well, and it gives us, like we talked about, I think it was in our last episode, um, it gave us that great moment at the end where Batman basically looks at Justice League and goes, if you guys don't see a problem with what I did in this, I don't need to be then here. I'm out. Right. I, don't, I don't need to be a part of your Justice League. And the ironic part is, is like, well, Superman go, walks up to him afterwards and goes, well, what was your plan yeah. in case you go rogue? And he's like, the Justice League. And it's like, yeah. thanks, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Good job there, buddy. But yes, those are our honorable mentions. And wow, we're already 20 minutes in. That's not too bad. Yeah, we got through those. Normally, we always say, okay, we're going to get through these honorable mentions real quick. And the next thing you know, oh, it's been an hour. Well, we kind of did get through them quick because a couple of them we couldn't talk about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so do you want to flip a coin for who goes first or do you want to go first? Or no, you went first with yours, so I guess yeah. I could probably go first. Go, yeah, one. you go first. Okay, so my number five, I actually really like this one. I've liked it ever since I watched it. And I feel like, you know, when it comes to the top five, especially the animated films, I feel like each one is on our list for a very specific reason. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to this one in particular... I, f- I have an affinity for it because it's it's an animated in-between story from the Arkham franchise, right? And Oh, yeah, okay, I know where you're going. Yep, and yep. I, it's not necessarily a full-on Batman story, but he is very much in it. It has his name in the title. Mm-hmm. It takes place in a very specific portion of his world, but yep. you also get like a hint at a larger DC universe because of this movie in this universe, and that is Batman Assault on Arkham. Yeah, that's a good one. It's one of my favorites. You know, you got Kevin Conroy voicing Batman. You've got uh, Troy Baker voicing the Joker. So it kind of takes, you know, the Batman from Arkham Asylum and then the Joker from Arkham Origins into one story. You've got uh, Matthew Gray Goobler voicing the Riddler, which I actually really liked. Um, Not quite Wally Wingert, but still did a really nice job there. And it's got one of my favorite DC villains of all time, Amanda the Wall Waller. Mm Mm-hmm. So essentially, the Suicide Squad gets probably sent... one of probably one of the best Amanda Wallers we've seen. Oh yeah, because it's, it's it's CCH Pounder, yeah, voicing the character, and she's notorious for this character. Like, if there is anyone who does the voice of Amanda Waller, it's CCH mm-hmm. Pounder. It's this, it's it's the equivalent of Kevin Conroy doing Batman. Yeah, and she owns that role, no questions asked. This from a from an animated standpoint. Because Viola Davis does a phenomenal job in, in the live-action department. But when it comes to voicing the character... Oh, CCH Pounder, all day. Yeah. Bar none. But the movie is essentially... 
the Suicide Squad, comprised of Harley Quinn, Deadshot, Captain Boomerang, Killer Frost, and King Shark, getting sent to Arkham to retrieve the Riddler's cane, right? But what they don't know is that the Joker's there, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's a whole romance with Joker. or There's a whole, like, triangle between Joker, Harley Quinn, and Deadshot. There's a nice final fight there between Harley Quinn and Batman and also the Joker and Deadshot. You actually see a good portion of the Suicide Squad die throughout the movie. I think King Shark actually has the most vicious one because his head gets... Yeah. All because no one crosses the wall. Spam. Yeah. She hits the button. It's like one of the best parts of the movie. But no, like, it, it, it has its place in the Arkham continuity. It's got a really solid animation style to it. It's got a really wicked soundtrack. Every character introduction for the Suicide Squad is badass. Like... There's just so many things I could say about this movie that just makes my nerd brain tickle. Well, and it shows off how badass Batman is because you you see Batman take on the entire Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah, and Black Spider's in it, too. I forgot about him because yeah. he dies, too. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Well, also, like, when he, when Amanda Waller initially goes to get the Riddler, right? Yes. Bat- yeah. Batman stops her stops goons. Her right and he like the lights go off and then you just hear from the shadows the riddler is mine yeah <laughs> and then like all you you get the night vision of one of the one of the guards like looking around and then batman just appears out of nowhere and lays waste to all these goons it's like yes yep. yes this is batman and he actually looks like arkham batman yeah they did a really good job in translating the look of the arkham games into an animated movie form yes while even still kind of giving them i mean like some of those characters like king shark you don't we hadn't seen them yet in the video games so it was up to these artists to interpret okay we've got this set style that we have to stick to but we have these characters that have not yet been seen in the games how are we going to translate this to the animated form i thought they did a damn good job I also really love the ending because Deadshot gets his sights on Amanda Waller. Yeah. <laughs> and he just waves in like a, a, yep. a Hawaiian shirt with a sniper rifle. It's like, yeah, that's Deadshot. He he's like, if I wanted to, I could kill you right now. Or like, another good thing I love about that movie is the back and forth between him and Captain Boomerang. And yeah. at one point before they go on the mission, they get the information from Penguin. They go down and like they, like they're at the Iceberg Lounge, but then they go into like the bar portion of it and they have like a little dart game and Deadshot totally clowns Boomerang <laughs> yeah. and, yeah. like, then punches him and says, yeah, you're mo-, or he, he ends the conversation with, yeah, sure, mate. Just yeah. totally mocking him, and I love that. Well, also, Neil, Neil McDonough voiced Deadshot, and he does a really good job there. So, yeah, my number five is Batman Assault on Arkham because I just have a huge affinity for the Arkham games. I love that animation style. Oh, God, who directed that one? I almost want to say Jay Oliver, but I'm not sure. Let me double check that. Let's see. Salt on Arkham. Yeah, directed by Jay Oliver. One of my favorite animators and directors of the animated Warner Brothers department. So, yeah. Yeah, that movie's just great. I love it. For I have a lot to go of back reasons. and watch it. It's been, it's been a little while since I watched it again. It's a fun one. It's a really fun one. Oh, and I love Killer Frost in that movie, too. But then again, I'm a huge Killer Frost fan, so that's just me. So speaking of fun, that leads to my number five, um, uh, Batman versus TMNT. Ah, okay. 
uh, it's kind of similar to what I said about Batman Ninja. They just had fun with this movie, but I think to a degree even more than Batman Ninja, because you've got this franchise that everybody knows, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you hear a story, you hear a title like that, Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. How is that going to work? Actually, ends up working pretty damn well. Right. Um, you get this, uh, you know, you get this kick-ass fight scene with Batman and the Shredder. That's how the movie is, opens. That's how it starts. Yeah, it's well, it starts. So the the Foot Clan attacks, takes the what was it? The that device, and Barbara is there to see him. But yeah, I think I what maybe less than ten minutes into the movie, you've got Batman fighting the Shredder. Mm-hmm. Which just made me just geek out because I mean I grew up watching the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Shredder has been one of my favorite villains since childhood. I, I love the design of Shredder. I love just <laughs> I love the fact that he's just this this guy that it's so funny. He in the cartoons, you know, he works with Krang. In the comic books, he's much more brutal. And I, I liked how they kind of blended it together in this animated movie. He is a threat and he is a menace, but he he also gets clowned by the turtles. Well, even his introduction when he fights Batman is a clear homage to the 90s movie. To the 90s movie, yep. And it's perfect. Like, that fight is perfect. Yep. Like, if there were a top 10 or 5 Batman fights, that would make the list no question. Yeah, future future episode <laughs> yeah yeah there's no doubt and, you, and you know even the animation of it is really it's got its own style it looks yeah. really good it's based off of the the run comic that, yeah, yeah the batman tmnt mm -hmm. run by james tinney and the fourth tynan james tynan the fourth and freddie williams second so it's it's cool like it's a really cool concept and i'm kind of surprised they haven't done a sequel to it yet i mean they leave it wide open for a sequel yeah the way it ends right and i mean come on you get you get the teenage ninja turtles ooze transforming all of batman's rogues gallery into animal versions of themselves you got mr freeze as a polar bear <laughs> you've got bane as like i think it's supposed He's to be like, like a, a tiger jaguar or something jaguar tiger something like that you got uh harley quinn as this godforsaken freakish looking hyena mm -hmm. joker as a snake it just it, they just had fun with it it's it's a brisk paced movie what maybe an hour and 20 minutes long 84 minutes so yeah around there yeah so it doesn't overstay its welcome it's just fun to watch and if you grew up with batman and the ninja turtles there's a lot like you said there's that homage when he drops down for the first time shredder does that's a clear homage to the nine there's so many points in that movie where you see the little teases of like oh yeah we remember the 90s movie too and also tom kenny voices the penguin and it's funny as hell yeah yeah where he's doing his best meredith yeah. Burgess impression it's so good <laughs> like i i love that aspect of it just because it's just that funny yeah and there's so and that again right there there's so many funny moments i love the introduction when they when the ninja turtles get into the bat cave mm -hmm. <laughs> and they meet damien for the first time you've got damien who as batman fans we know that damien is just this brutal assassin basically but he shows up michelangelo just looks at him oh mm -hmm. 
Or like when Alfred gets the door, gets all the pizza, and then Michelangelo <laughs> comes down on the skateboard, and Alfred yeah. just goes, oh no. <laughs> so subtly. Yeah. Right before that, he, he gets the money, he gets the pizza from the pizza person. <laughs> yeah. I offered to cook them a banquet, and these children want pizza. <laughs> He's so insulted. <laughs> he just feels so flabbergasted the idea that no instead of cooking a nice meal these children want pizza how <laughs> dare they and then they're all eating the pizza and you got batman standing there not like stoically looking at everything and damien's like looking at and damien's just like i want that pizza mm-hmm. but he looks up his he looks up at his dad and batman just looks at him he's like ah oh, i guess i'm not having pizza <laughs> not until the end of the movie damien not nope. until the end of the movie and yeah. also another thing i loved about that is that when it came to the individual looks of Batman, Robin, and Batgirl, they they took literally the best of every bit of Batman's yeah. mythology, blended it all in one. Like Batman looks like an animated version of Neil Adams and Jim Aparo's Batman because he's got yep. the traditional blue and gray. Blue or blue and gray. Damian Wayne is straight up from you know like Son of Batman, Batman and Robin Reborn. Like it's Damian Wayne Robin, right? And then yep. Batgirl is straight up burnside batgirl the most recent comic run mm-hmm. most recent comic version of the character which i think is actually pretty killer yeah. so just a really nice blend of all this beautiful mythology from both teenage mutant trolls and batman and you know like you mentioned you you got a lot of his big name rogues in there like you know you've got joker mr freeze bane penguin Rachel ghoul and of course Rachel ghoul and shredder are in cahoots mm-hmm. with one another because of course and it wasn't afraid i mean it's a pg-13 animated movie and they don't pull punches in some parts oh no when shredder and uh roz go into arkham Mm -hmm. and roz is decapitating people and that one scene where shredder stabs security dude in the back with his claws and lifts the guy up in the air right with his claws like damn yeah that movie doesn't like you said it does not at all pull its punches it shows you the you know it shows you just how far it's willing to push that pg-13 rating and i appreciated that and you kind of needed to i mean these are ninja turtles dealing with the mm-hmm. foot clan and racial ghoul like these are known killers like come on i mean hell shredder's introduction remember batman's holding that foot clan member is like what are you doing in gotham and that shuriken comes out or that ninja star goes straight into his head mm-hmm. like oh well this just went to holy shit levels yep just a great moment too by the way where yeah foot clan member gets ousted by his own boss like that's just <laughs> chef's kiss you know it's funny uh going to my number four because speaking of damian wayne i can now finally talk about this movie and that's son of batman son of batman <laughs> so this is on my list for, you know, I, I mentioned just a little bit earlier, there's a run by Grant Morrison called uh, Batman and Son, and it's the legitimate introduction of Damian Wayne in comics. It's one of my favorite runs, and this story, Son of Batman, kind of takes elements of that story, but that also it also kind of blends together some work with Deathstroke, and it, it does things for the animated universe that you wouldn't normally expect in, like, a traditional DC format. Like, you legitimately watch the death of Rachel ghoul i was gonna say yeah i mean the the movie starts with this gigantic assault on Raish's compound in nanda parbat yeah i think it's not a parbat but yes you're right and you also get to see 
why Talia is one of the most vicious people in DC because she literally mm -hmm. takes out like half of Deathstroke's army by herself, mm -hmm. which is awesome. And then, you know, you mentioned earlier, like, it, it's got this really sweet, it's got a lot of sweet fights between Damien and Deathstroke. I actually love when Damien goes and goes after Ubu by himself. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. And it, it really kind of, you know, shifts the tide and makes you kind of second guess things. Because if you know traditional Batman lore, especially when it comes to characters like Rachel Ghul and Ubu, Ubu is Rachel Ghul's right hand man. Ubu yeah. almost never crosses Rachel Ghul. It would be yep. foolish of him to do that. So for them to be like, yeah, let's have him do that in this movie. Yeah. I don't mind it at all. Like, this movie took some certain creative liberties. Like, there's absolutely zero mention of Jason Todd or Tim Drake. I'm fine with that. Yeah. That was, and, and it's funny because, you know, a lot of Batman fans are Puritans in that they need the Robin lineage to be intact. Like, they need Dick Grayson to be Robin. Then they need Jason Todd to be there and die. Then they need Tim Drake to, you know, take up the mantle for a little bit and then turn into Red Robin. Then only Damien can show up. And I'm like, no. Doesn't they need to be decided like that. for this animated universe they weren't going to do that. And I thought that was fine. Right. Because as the universe progressed, they actually paired up Damien and Raven together. Yep. Which I thought was actually a pretty brilliant idea considering both characters have some very dark sensibilities and personalities. And given what happens, you know, by the end when you're in um, Apocalypse, was it? Uh, Justice League Dark Apoc Apocalypse War. Yeah. Dark Apocalypse War. His whole arc, I mean, Damien's whole arc kind of comes to an end. Right. And you get this kind of, this turning point for the character, which started with Son of Batman. Yeah, and that's why this one's really one of my favorites, Especially because as, you know, the movies progressed, especially with Damien and Batman, like, this is my favorite of that little Batman and Robin trilogy. Like, it goes set of Batman, Batman versus Robin, and then Batman Bad Blood. Um, versus, Batman versus Robin kind of, it, it was cool, but I feel like the Court of Owls were kind of underutilized there. And then Bad Blood was kind of a mixture of uh, Batman Incorporated and... Um, a little bit post-Final Crisis because everyone thought Batman was dead and then Dick Grayson kind of takes up the cowl. Like... I feel like the the blended elements of those two movies and the sort and the source material they took from, they almost might have changed too much, and it just didn't jive with me. But this one had everything that I could have ever expected or wanted or loved out of anything you could have changed because, you know, Deathstroke's the main antagonist. He's one of my favorite villains, right? Mm -hmm. You've got it was about it was about time that he had an opportunity to be a primary antagonist, even though he gets kind of clowned by Batman pretty quickly. I'm not. A little bit. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not too mad about it, but it, I would have appreciated a longer fight. But hey, I'm not going to complain because you get one with, between Robin and Deathstroke, which also kind of reflects the history of just the two characters by themselves. Mm -hmm. yep. Because for a long time, Dick Grayson and Slade Wilson had a huge, huge, huge rivalry in the comics. And, um, well, even, and even for people that didn't follow the comics, you know, True. Slade, Slade was major in the original Teen Titans show. Right. Rest in peace, George Perez. Yeah. Which I don't. We gave praise to Neil Adams, and and then shortly after Neil Adams passed away, unfortunately, George Perez passed away Just not a, long a after few, that. A few days later, I think. Two week, like a week and a half, two weeks later. Yeah. So, yeah, that was really unfortunate to find out. So, yes, yeah, so we're gonna gush about George Perez here for a second, because if, <laughs> if, if not for him, we probably wouldn't have Deathstroke, the Teen Titans, and hell yeah robin the whole there, there's two teen titans movies in this animated universe too there's just like versus teen titans and there's the judas contract so yeah 
Rest in peace, George Perez. If not for you, a lot of great characters would not exist today. Raven, I mean, Starfire, on, Cyborg, and Deathstroke being... He was the illustrator for Crisis on Infinite Earths. I mean, my God. That too. He even did a couple Avengers books too. Oh, I didn't know he did Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. But back to Son of Batman, yes. it It is largely my favorite because it's of the three i think it's the best one there's man bats there's deathstroke there's the league of assassins there's nightwing and damian wayne as robin i like damian i like the little shit as robin i like the fact that he's brutal i like the fact that he's kind of a snot and i like that he's very obnoxious towards his father but like the whole movie is a learning process to him of embracing that side of his heritage so well and i like the fact that with Damien, it gives Bruce an, an, an attempt. You know, yes, with Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, he does have to teach them. He has to show them the right way to do things in his eyes. Damien's a whole other level because Damien was trained to kill. Right. He is supposed to be a deadly assassin. His whole, he has no mercy. He doesn't believe in, he believes justice equates to cutting someone's head off. Right. So it's a very different situation for Batman to be put in and also to find out that unlike his other ones, this one is actually his blood. <laughs> right. And there's actually a, a nod to that in the movie. Like they make reference of when Talia legitimately drugged him in the comics. Yeah. And they, you know, <laughs> had their night under the moon as, yeah, as she put it. But yes, that, that is largely my favorite of them of the of the animated movies i really do like son of batman quite a bit nice what about your number four number four for me uh batman under the red hood ah um i mean come on uh, what what else can you say about this one like you said it is largely regarded by many people for many it is their absolute favorite batman animated movie i can totally see why um it's a very well done story Voice acting is top notch. John or uh, DiMaggio does not get enough credit for his voice as the Joker. Right. He or is even, such um, a good Joker. Or even Jensen Eccles as Jason Todd, Red yeah. Hood. Yeah. Phenomenal. Um, but that like DiMaggio's take on the Joker, I really liked this kind of this dry humor joker almost like he has he does he does his cackles he does his laughs but everything about it, he's very sarcastic he's very he's not he he knows what he's doing when he's egging on jason todd or when he's egging on batman i mean hell that opening that opening that movie too well the Jesus. whole the whole bit towards the end where he's where he's talking about oh let's take pictures yeah. first you and me yeah and me then and the me. kid then one with the crowbar it's like dear <laughs> Lord. yeah like that's straight from the book under the red yeah Hood. yeah but it also helps that this movie was written by the same person who did the comic jude winnick oh i didn't know that yes so a lot of it is largely lifted from that book, but it's also got elements of death in the family of it too, from Aparo hmm. and, um, damn it, who is it? It's uh, Starlin and Aparo. There we go. I had to think about that. Let me just double check that because I might be wrong about that too. I'm pretty sure it's Starlin and Aparo. There we go. Yeah, Starlin and Aparo. I had to double check that, but yeah, Starlin and Aparo story. 
back when Denny O'Neill was the editor back at DC Comics in 1988. And I got to give a shout out in uh, in this movie too, uh, Jason Isaacs as Ra's al Ghul. Yes. Phenomenal voice for Ra's in this movie. Well, even, I... even, even Bruce Greenwood as Batman. Yeah. They brought mm-hmm. that, they brought him back, Warner Brothers Animation brought him back for Young Justice. Yeah. And he's right up there with Kevin Conroy in terms of voicing Batman. And Neil Patrick Harris is Nightwing. Yes. Yeah. Can never go wrong with that. But yeah, I loved the... the I love that whole scene where everything is kind of revealed, where Roz explains to Batman mm-hmm. like why Jason Todd is back. And you just get this sense that Roz, yes, he is evil. He, he does very <laughs> bad things. But he has this this sort of code to himself that he will never cross certain lines. And the fact that he hired the Joker to distract Batman so that he could complete his goal, but he did not anticipate how unhinged and deranged the Joker is, which leads to Jason Todd's death. And Roz feels so guilty because he did not want that. Right. Roz, Roz may want to defeat Batman. He does not want to kill you know, those that are associated with him. Right. Like he'll only go so far. And I think killing any of his wards was definitely not on the agenda. Yeah. And he even like makes, like you mentioned, like he, he feels legitimately bad. Like, you know, it's my fault. Your kid's dead. Right. Yeah. And and I thought what I was doing in response to that was the right thing. And then now I realize it is just an even bigger blight on your, on your world now. And it's, yeah, it's my fault. Right. And even Batman, like, he's ready to just pound his ass for this. <laughs> yeah. Even so much so, like, Raish knew he was coming and even called off security. Like, no, it's it's fine. I deserve this. It's like, that's accountability. I, I, can, I can respect mm-hmm. that. And like you said, Jensen Eccles as Jason Todd, there were so many scenes with him that were really well done. I love the scene where the Red Hood confronts all of the, uh, the mm-hmm. gangsters mm-hmm. and the, the gang members and the mafiosos. And he's just like, you know, you're going to give me this cut and you're not going to give your drugs to kids, all this stuff. And they're like, why are we going to listen to you? And he just throws the backpack down. They open it. And he's just like, those are the heads of all of your lieutenants. That took me two hours. Imagine what what I can do in a day. Imagine what I can do. Get done in a whole evening. Yeah. Or even like the whole, the the fight between Batman, Red Hood and the four ninja. Yeah. The four cyber ninjas. That was a pretty saucy fight. Yeah. And then it ends with like Red Hood just getting the one dude with the with the puts the taser into his like that eye hole thing, which causes his head to basically explode. Right. And then Jason's like, "You should be thankful I only killed one of them." (laughs) Yeah. And even the animation overall is just really solid in that movie. Yeah. Or like how Bruce even came to the like. When he figured out it was Jason, he was so shocked and surprised. Like, he got out of it. He jumped out of his chair. He was like, there's no yeah. way. There's absolutely no way. And it leads him to un... un well, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uncovering... Oh, the, digging, digging up the right. grave. Yeah. Exhuming the body. There we go. Yeah, that's, there you that's go. what I wanted to say. Like, exhuming Jason's believed dead corpse, then he finds out it's a fake. Yeah. And he's like, there's only one man who had the resources to do this. <laughs> So that's a good, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm, oh, I mean, not surprised in that it's on your list. You know what I mean? It almost made yeah. mine. 
almost. Well, moving on to number threes, mine should come as no surprise to you. Um, this is, again, one of my favorites. It's been one of my favorites since I first watched it. Not even having read the source material behind, prior to watching this movie, I've always just been a huge fan of the way it looks because it was just so distinct. And it's even it was even on our... Um, one moment from this movie made our first legendary moments of the Dark Knight. And this, my number three, is Superman Batman Apocalypse. Ah, yes. That's a good one. It is indeed a great one. I love this film. I love the fact that Kevin Conroy is Batman. I want to say Newburner Daly is the voice of Superman in it, but I'm just going to double check here really quick. Uh... I think actually this might have been my introduction. I, it's, I mean, there's been so many of these animated movies. I want to say Daly. Batman Superman Apocalypse is probably one of the first DC animated movies that I had watched because I know a few of them had been out by the time I finally got a chance to start watching them, but I think Apocalypse was my very first one. So, yeah, it's it's definitely Tim Daly as Superman. So you've got Andre Brower voicing Darkseid, Kevin Conroy reprising the role of Batman, Tim Daly as Superman, Summer Glau voicing Supergirl. And there's just... This, this whole movie to me is just it looks immaculate. I really like the way they drew Batman and Superman in it. I like how they're just super bulky and stylized um i also really love that wonder woman makes an appearance i also really love that big barda makes an appearance this is actually my first introduction to like the whole new gods aspect of dc canon and like figuring out who those characters were yeah i was not familiar with big barda prior to this so i really have this movie to thank for that and even just like the whole story of it all like supergirl crash lands in gotham city him and Batman and Superman take it upon themselves to figure out who she is. Come to find out, Kara Zor-El, the cousin of Jor-El, cousin of wow, cousin of Kal-el, Superman, and then like it becomes like a, a battle for the soul of Supergirl. Yeah, which is just mm, so good, just such a damn good movie through and through. And and she is stuck in between it too because she's mm-hmm. got these people who are trying to show her what they believe is the right way for her to be, and she's kind of like. I don't know which way I want to go. This mm-hmm. you guys are trying to control my life essentially. Yeah, it, it's kind of both ways too, because then Darkseid manages to actually get control over her a little mm-hmm. bit before, you know, Batman delivers that just awesome card <laughs> of like Omega Lambda XL seven nine. Does that sound like a bluff to you? Ah, oh, I love when Batman gets the one up on Darkseid. And I like the little, I like the surprise, like, you think that everything's wrapped up, you know, they're, they, they're back on Earth, everything's kind of going back to quote-unquote normal, and Darkseid just comes in and wrecks super mm-hmm. wrecks Superman, and then Supergirl has to step up and start battling it. That is a really awesome final fight scene, when yeah. they have that fight in Smallville. Yeah. Oh, wait, there's a fight in Smallville and a bunch of shit gets destroyed? No way. Yeah yeah crazy you're that's insane i bet that makes fans angry oh wait no (laughs) (laughs) yeah superman batman apocalypse will always have a place in my heart it's just such a damn good movie and directed by lauren montgomery and even like the opening credits that movie is just awesome because it kind of goes back and forth between like the batman and superman logos Mm mm-hmm yep Oh, right. Susan Eisenberg also reprises the role of Wonder Woman. Ed Asner plays Granny Goodness. Like, there's just a lot of really good voiceover work in this movie, too. 
Who was Darkseid? Who did the Andre Brower? Okay. Yeah. And also, this is also kind of a standalone sequel to Batman Superman Public Enemies. Which I still have not seen. I need to get around to watching that. I need to buy it again because I don't have access to it on my iTunes account. So I got to either like get a Blu-ray copy on Amazon or buy a digital copy. I don't know. I, I got to get that movie again because it's just too damn good. <laughs> All right. What is your number three, Craig? A number three, Batman The Long Halloween. Ah. I'm going to say part one and part two. I'm going to make this a, a double. It's a deluxe. Because we all know there's there's going to be a deluxe edition that has like both movies. In I think it, it comes at the end of this year. Yeah. So um, what I really appreciate about Batman The Long Halloween is out of all of these animated movies we have seen throughout all of these years, I really feel like this is one of the few where it truly feels like a Batman noir detective story. This is legitimately Batman trying to solve a mystery. Um, even, uh, I'm not going to say much, but one of the other ones in on my list has a bit of a mystery, but it really isn't that much of a mystery, to be honest, If after all is said and done. Whereas I feel like Batman The Long Halloween, there is a legit mystery. Batman is trying to figure out he's a bit of a younger Batman. You figure he's probably only been in the suit for a few years he has accumulated a small little rogues gallery that has been building up. But this is kind of his first attempt at trying to figure out a situation that he is not really prepared for. Um, really love the animation style. I, I wasn't quite sure how I was going to like it when like the trailers came out for it. But it definitely fits this kind of kind of little bit more darker storyline with these characters that there are a little bit of i guess metahuman ish points to it but mm -hmm. it's a much more grounded batman animated movie yeah you know i like it enough and i think it's i think both parts are really well made it's just that i've never been a super huge fan of the long not because i think the long halloween story is bad or anything it's just I've read a lot of Batman in my time and I don't mean that in like a condescending snobbish kind of way. It's just, mm -hmm. I got to the long Halloween much, much later in my reading yeah. years. So it, it, I don't necessarily have that same kind of, you know, pedestal that a lot of other people put in. I'm not saying you are, but like, it, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've just heard this sentiment. Oh, the long Halloween is just one of the most sentimental stories. Da, 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 da. And I think that the animated, the animated movies, you know, both parts, I think it adapts the story well enough but even for me, I, I just, I'm in the camp that it's just too soon for me to put it in my top five, even though I agree with everything you just said, because it is, for the first time in a long time, a tried and true detective story where Batman has to figure out who the holiday killer is. And then I even think at the end, you know, when you find out who the holiday killer is, it's, it's a really well done surprise. Very well done. And even just the usage of how they used every villain in this movie, as opposed to how they appeared in the book was really well done as well. Like mm -hmm. how they incorporated the Joker, how they homaged the scene between him and Solomon Grundy, like everything about how they did the long Halloween was very faithful to it. But again, for me, it's, it's just too soon. And see, and here's the thing, what you just said there, I think that's why I like this animated movie so much 
in my opinion, and I don't know, I know that the Long Halloween is a very revered story by a lot of people. I also, like you, I, I read the Long Halloween much, much later. I actually think that the animated movie is a better interpretation than the graphic novel. I don't particularly care for the art style in the graphic novel. I don't really like some of the designs like the Joker in the Long Halloween in the graphic novel. E yeah, it's not it's not for me. Yeah, I don't really particularly care for it. I really like how they designed it in this film. And again, I like some of the the changes they made. A lot of times, <laughs> Batman Hush. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of times when they make these changes in these animated movies, doesn't really work out too well. I actually think that the changes that they made in Batman: The Long Halloween and the animated movie are improvements over the graphic novel. And I think sometimes that's necessary. Yeah. In that you know some changes can benefit that in certain regards and i feel like for the long halloween it actually i'm kind of right there with you it's not so much that i dislike or hate tim sales art it's just i think age hasn't been kind to it no oh, definitely not now, now watch we're gonna get a whole lot of hate from tim sale fans like you guys don't know what you're talking about he's great yeah okay yeah relax i'm, I'm not saying the art style is bad it's just to me it's just not my thing. I when I was reading the long Halloween graphic novels, just I don't like this Joker. I don't particularly care for like the way Catwoman was designed. There was just yeah. there's just little things in that graphic novel that I'm just kind of like, eh. You know, if the movie if, did it better. You know, if there's one thing I'll I will absolutely agree with you on, it's the Catwoman suit. The movie did yeah. it better, one hundred percent. There's no doubt in my mind about that. But then again, maybe I'm just a fan of Catwoman in a black skin tight suit and goggles as opposed yeah. to like a purple suit with a tail. So, and I like how they kind of, I mean, we kind of went full circle. You know, Jensen Eccles was Jason Todd and Under the Red Hood, and here he actually gets to portray Batman. And he does a damn good he, job of it, too. He did a damn good job as Batman. Um, but in terms of voice acting, I don't think anyone in this film did it better than um josh to hamill as uh harvey dent two-face yeah i was just gonna bring that up josh dumbell did a really good job as harvey really dent really good job probably i think the animated series harvey dent is really good and i love that two-face but man he did for these two movies he did an excellent job you you hear this conflicted character dealing with his demons you know, trying to do what he thinks is the right thing while also giving in to this side of himself that uh, is just very chaotic. And by the time the story has come full circle and he has become Two-Faced, it's just very, very well done. Yeah, and I think we even mentioned at the end of our second part commentary, the only real, like, kind of knock you could probably say about is the fact that there's a really awkward cameo at the end with Green Arrow and the Flash, but... I just pretend for for me for that that little like 15 second scene I just pretend that didn't happen (laughs) you know of all the the you know the transitions from from page to animated film I think the bet the one that looks like the closest and best is probably Carmine Falcone yes yeah I think he looks about as accurate as you're gonna get for Carmine Falcone in in an animated form yep but yeah, I really enjoyed that one quite a bit. It's just, if we were doing a top 10, it'd be, well, we already talked about it, but, mm-hmm. you know. 
yeah yeah that that, that makes a lot of sense but um my number two finally ready to talk about it and kind of piggybacking off the under the red hood storyline but not quite in the same way we you had it on your honorable mentions list and i feel like it's a nice time to bring it back full circle uh, my number two is batman beyond return of the joker return of the joker yep that's right absolutely fantastic movie like i i i, I have nothing bad to say about this movie it's mm-hmm. one of the most original Batman films ever made. It yep. brings back his most iconic villain with the most iconic voice actor to voice yep. the character. And it does it in such a organic way that there's there's just a lot of love that I have for this movie. And the twist that it does on the death and the family story because it, yep. it takes elements of it, but it, it makes it its own thing. You don't necessarily see the death of robin in a physical form but definitely more in like the imagery of it like this was literally you saw robin come to an end in this movie you saw what actions led to the joker's demise and inevitable rebirth and how just to even quote barbara gordon in this movie how how tainted his last action was on the entirety of the batman family and the fact that Terry McGinnis now has to deal with Batman's most vicious and crime-focused foe of all time. Like, that to me, you know, and even the conversation they have in the cave where, where Bruce asked Terry, like, I want you to give the suit back. And Terry's like, yep. why? And Bruce proceeds to tell him, like, I never asked you to do any of this. And then even Terry just snaps back with, like, look, I was the one who took the suit. Mm-hmm. I had I'm not like you I had a kid with I was a kid with a past like I'm the kind of punk you wouldn't have wasted another punch on back in the day and Batman's just like your point it's like look every time I put on that suit it's it's a chance for me to make up past sins it's what I want Bruce Mm -hmm. and the fact that that comes full circle at the end of the movie when Bruce is in the hospital recovering still and you know he kind of tells Terry like I'm glad I'm paraphrasing because I haven't watched the movie in a while, but um, an older co-host and I did it for superhero stress a couple years ago for its 20th. Yeah, it's 20th. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Matter of fact, we did a commentary track on it, but you know, Bruce essentially tells him like, I'm glad you took, I'm I'm glad you're Batman. I don't remember the exact wordage of it, but it, it, it boils down to like a reconciliation. And then even, you know, Tim Drake comes back into the picture and him and Bruce have a, Mm-hmm. They reunite, <clears throat> and it gives us. Um, I think it was, I think it was my very first number one legendary moment. That whole thing, like you said, their kind of their spin on the death uh, in the family mm-hmm. situation. I mean, my God, <laughs> that whole the boy shared such secrets with me. And then the way the Joker reveals that he knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne. It's Bruce. true, Batsy. Yeah. I know everything. Yep. Oof. Chills. Just absolute chill. Because it's it's such a... It's the biggest F you the Joker could have possibly ever given Batman. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Like, not only did I steal your adopted son from you, I turned him insane and into a child of mine so much so to the point where he told me your deepest darkest secrets and yep. i'm gonna laugh at you because i think that's pathetic <laughs> yeah exactly it's, it's it's just like at that point 
I almost don't blame Batman if he wants to wring his neck or break his back or do anything viciously cruel to the Joker. Because well, I mean, he, he bursts through that glass and just beats the ever-living crap out of Joker. And Joker, being who he is, oh, if you didn't like the movie, I got slides. And Batman's like, I'll break you in yeah. two. <laughs> Deservedly so. Yeah. Deservedly so. And even then, like, me being a young kid at the time when that movie came out and mm. having seen Batman Beyond, like, there was always that question when, you know, if you if you ever watched the, the series like I did, like, well, there are Jokers. What happened to the Joker? Mm-hmm. How did that transpire? And I even remember one of the episodes, I think Joyride it is. In the episode Joyride, they actually go over an open crevice that used to be Arkham Asylum, and you actually see the bones of the Joker and the flower for a brief yeah. split second, right? <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, that explains yeah. that. I wonder how that happened. Then you watch mm-hmm. the movie, and you're like, oh. I mean, this movie gives us the... It's the only thing besides Arkham City. We see the death of the Joker. Right. <laughs> like, not like him falling off the edge and, no, oh, maybe he died, maybe he died, maybe he didn't. Nah, he gets shot in the freaking heart. Right, and even before the uncut version was released, they had him fall back into and like electrify himself. Electrify himself, right? Yeah. Even though I think the uncut version's way better. Oh yeah, the uncut version's way way better. The uncut for me, the reason I think it's better is because not only are you like telling this twelve-year-old kid who's literally lost his mind, pick and choose between which adoptive father you want to save, dude, and it's like, damn that is just all sorts of effed up mm-hmm. and like again like barbara barbara gordon told terry like with his last act he tainted all of us yep and even after that like he bruce tells tim like you can't put the robin suit on again that's it you're yeah. done like that was the moment when batman the the breaking of Batman's spirit started and you see the yeah. slow decline you see why he ended up having to resort to using a firearm by the time he was ready to quit like that yeah. was the beginning of the end for him that the animation's fire too or even like even in the beginning of the movie when when batman is taking out the new joker goons and he's like it's a school night boys and girls i'm gonna have to call you <laughs> folks just wilfred l just delivers such a beautiful sarcastic lines as batman or even when he towards the end when they go to jolly jacks and like batman lands the batmobile on top of the roof and like here comes the mutt mutant thing and like batman just goes ace and then the dog goes after the mutt and it's like yes good dog good bat dog he's the best bat dog he is the best bat dog there's a small part of me that hopes robert pattinson's batman gets base gets ace the bat dog that'd be kind of sweet actually right right i'd love to see that all right craig what's your number two Number two, The Dark Knight Returns, part one and part two. Another twofer. <laughs> I'm guessing your silence says something. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm not quite ready to talk about this one yet. Well, then, how about let's do this then? I'll just skip to my number one because, again, we already know what my number one is. Everyone knows what your number one is. We'll talk about my number one and then we'll jump into The Dark Knight Returns. That's fair. So yeah, my number one, big surprise, oh my god, so shocking, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. 
You don't say. What have I not said about this movie that I could say anymore? It, it to me before the Batman, it was my absolute favorite Batman movie. I grew up with it. I saw it in theaters. I was one of the only 20 people who went to see that movie in theaters because the advertising for that movie was atrocious. I couldn't do see yourself that movie a favor. Theaters. Do yourself a favor. Go on YouTube. Look up Batman Mask of the Phantasm movie trailer. It's one of the worst possible trailers you could ever see for a movie. It's literally just a black screen with white uh, font. And it just basically says, coming soon, an amazing Batman adventure. And it shows you a couple clips of scenes from the movie. And then it just says, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. It's maybe 30 seconds long. Doesn't tell you anything about the film. They're just like, coming this summer, a new Batman movie. Bye. Terrible, horrible advertising. The movie got no attention when it came out. But it is such a damn good movie. It it gave us so much for the first time. You get this original villain that was not in the comics. Until now. It ties in. While I'm not a, usually a fan of like a Joker origin story, Batman 89. Um <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry but damn that's a good burn oh man I, i'm not usually a fan of a joker origin story i like the way they did it in this it ties into what is going on in the film and affects the characters of the film and that whole reveal of him when he's drawing he looks at that picture of that goon and bruce is kind of like wait a minute and he grabs a red pencil and he draws a happy face oh no and then the Joker laugh when it reveals the picture. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, crap. The Joker is going to be essential to this storyline after all. But it makes sense to have him there because he was he, in a sense, helped create the phantasm. So a little peek behind the curtain here, folks. The only reason this movie is not on my list is because I knew damn good and well Craig was going to put it on. <laughs> yeah, that is the that is literally the only reason I did not put this movie on my list, because I knew Craig loved it, and I didn't want to try and pick a spot for it because it 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 is one of, if not the best animated Batman film ever made. There's no yep. question about that. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't see the movie in theaters in 1993 because I was only a year old at the time. <laughs> yep. Showing my age there a little bit, but hey, beggars can't I mean, be come choosers. on, Kevin Conroy is Batman. You've got uh, you know. Uh, Oh my God! What was her name? I'm totally blanking. Andrea Dana, Beaumont. Dana oh, Dana Delaney was Andrea Beaumont. Yep. Um, of course, you have Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. as Alfred. Right. I mean, and of course, Mark Hamill is the Joker. Um, but just a top-notch voice cast for this absolutely amazing film. And again, gave us an original character, the Phantasm, which I I loved that design back as a kid still love it today and i i keep hoping someday in some way shape or form we can get the phantasm in live action i don't think it's ever going to happen i would love for someone like matt reeves to bring the phantasm to life i know it's just probably not going to happen just given that the phantasm is not a particularly popular character but man i would i i would lose it if i saw a trailer for a second or third Matt Reeves Batman movie and the Phantasm is shown as the primary antagonist. 
Yeah, I don't know if it's going to happen. It might, it might not. I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised if it did, but I don't know. I, I have no idea how open to that idea that WB would be, all things considered. Um, yeah. I do like that movie a lot. I think it's one of the best for a lot of things, a lot of reasons you just said. Um, it, it, And the reason I also chose The Dark Knight Returns as my number one is because the Mask of the Phantasm movie kind of acts as like a, a year one-ish kind of story, right? Yeah. And then The Dark Knight Returns acts as like his... The, the finale. The finale, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, f- I felt like that those two would be perfect juxtaposed to each other. But getting to Mask of the Phantasm, like the animation on it is a little bit more stellar than the rest of the animated series. The yep. score to it is just phenomenal through and through. Um, and everything about the voice performance, I mean, it's... There's no denying it. Even even Mark Hamill gets a little bit more wicked with his laughs and a little bit more devious with what he gets to do as the Joker. And it's just yep. awesome. Well, I remember he, when uh, Joker... Oh, who does he interact with? What was that character's name? Um, crap. It was one of the gangsters. You would think I would remember it right away. Um, it's the dying gangster, the one that has, like, the oxygen tank. And he's oh, um, and Joker's Joker's talking to him and the guy grabs Joker. Like, you gotta do you gotta do something. You gotta do something. And Joker goes from his smiling, always laughing face, he gets this really like evil face on him, and he bats the guy's arms off him and Mark Hamill, Don't touch me, old man. And then he just immediately stopped, I don't know where you've been. <laughs> it's just like that's the Joker. He has this sinister side to him, but then he immediately jumps right into a funny moment. Yeah, old man Salvalestra. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that movie is great for a lot of different reasons. And also, again, I, I did not put it on my list because I knew Craig was going to do that. <laughs> but my number one, as we established a little bit earlier, is in fact The Dark Knight Returns. Yep. Once again, directed by Jay Oliva, uh, Batman Bruce Wayne, voiced by Peter Weller. We've got the Joker, voiced by Michael Emerson. And this movie, you know how certain animated films, they make changes for the better? Mm-hmm. And sometimes they make changes for the worse. Killing joke. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When they do movies, and specifically when they make movies as close as they can to the book they're basing it off of, Nine times out of ten, it usually winds up doing really well in their favor. The Dark Knight Returns is a perfect example of that. Yep. Because this this movie, dare I say it, is better than the book itself. Because it, it it's just phenomenal from start to finish. It moves some stuff around, but it still keeps the same exact story intact. And I'm doing both parts like Craig did for Long Halloween, right? And yep. it's, it's just, from the moment this movie starts, when you see Bruce Wayne... In the car, the car wreck happens, and he escapes it magnificently. Or, like, you know, going to Harvey Dent's rehabilitation to eventual downfall again. Like, yeah. oh, just everything about this movie is, it speaks to my soul as a Batman fan. And, like you, the way you feel about John DiMaggio as the Joker is the way I feel about Michael Emerson as the Joker. Criminally underrated. Very underrated. Criminally underrated, because he... Is just vicious as the Joker, just an aged, aged Joker who's just itching mm-hmm. to get back out and cause all sorts of destructive mayhem, right? And it's just mm, so beautiful in so many wicked ways. 
I thought I was Batman's psychotic obsession. <laughs> we can still end on a high note. Yeah. Oh, man. That, had it not been for Mask of the Phantasm, I would be with you, and The Dark Knight Returns would be my number one as well. And, like, even when, when he gets the battering in the eye and they, they homage the <laughs> book again, and he goes, are you out of your mind? <laughs> yeah. Just everything about the performer, even like the way Peter Weller delivers his lines. Like... He's so good. That's, an, again, another one. You know, people, obviously, Kevin Conroy, you're never going to surpass that voice. But my God, you got to throw, you got to tip your hat to Peter Weller as Batman in these movies. I, I've said it before in episodes past, that scene where he, in the Tunnel of Love, where he jumps over and grabs the Joker and just, no more. And throws him. That, oh man, gives me chills. That is a Batman who is done. He is done with Joker's bullshit. He even is putting like, a stop to it. Or even like in the beginning of the movie where he stops the pimp, but then he also goes after yeah, the, the guy the, the robbery. who gave him the money. Yeah, Right, but then he also goes after the robbery, sees the two cops, the rookie and the older yeah. cop, right? And he gets the last goon after he yeah. spooks the other two. And he goes, he's young. He'll still walk again. <laughs> yeah. Punk. Yeah. Just, mm, there's just something so grandiose about this version of Batman that I will never yeah. get over. And I adore the shit out of it. Yeah. I mean, the intro to our show. You don't get it, son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, so good. Yeah, that piece from The Dark Knight Returns. Even, even just the music itself is from The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Matter of fact, the bat logo that's kind of, mm -hmm. you know, what's the word here? It's like uh, echoed. It's it's the bat from The Dark Knight Returns. Mm -hmm. So. And even, I mean, there's there's so many little moments, like the, the introduction of Superman. Yes. Where, <laughs> where he's, him and Bruce are hanging out. Superman's literally looking like, what's his name? Uh, That male model from like the 80s and 90s. He's got his like white shirt ripped open showing off his chest he's got his foot on a rock he's standing all like proper and a freaking bald eagle comes and lands on his arm <laughs> you know what's ironic about their attire in that scene what's that ben affleck and henry cavill wore very similar attires oh, on, when, right. when they debuted the trailer in 2015 for batman versus superman they were wearing near identical attires <laughs> to what to what Bruce and Clark are wearing in that scene. Near That's identical, great. and it's even funnier because that movie also is loosely mm -hmm. inspired by The Dark Knight Returns. But it's also one of my favorite fights. Now that you mention it, between Batman and Superman in that movie. Oh yeah, because Batman just beats the straight shit out of yeah. Superman, and it is awesome. I and mean, it, you, it moves at such a brisk pace too. I mean that. That whole part where they're in the like construction zone, you know, as mm -hmm. Batman throws some batarangs, gets a freaking chain ball, throws it at Superman. Superman just moves out of the way, grabs it by the end, just chucks it back at Batman. It it, it moves so fluidly and so fast that you're trying to take in what you're seeing. You can't believe that you're wa finally watching the Dark Knight fight between Batman and Superman. Yeah, it's literally the, the Dark Knight versus the Man of Steel in all yeah. their full-fledged glory, gloves off, no restrictions. Even though Superman is kind of weakened due to a nuclear fallout and 
Bruce is still recovering from his wounds from the Joker. He still yeah. managed to lay the smack down on him. And it was nothing short of phenomenal. One of my favorite lines is during that fight. And he's trying to get Bruce to give up. And he's like, if it's not me, it's someone else. Really? Who do they, they send, send after, after you? you? Right. Or even like the, the final the final words he delivers to oh, Clark. So like, good. Yeah. Yep. Like, even though he had help from Green Arrow, I don't give a shit. Yeah. It's still great. Like, you know, you're feeling it now, aren't you? What the rest mm-hmm. of us live with every day, your own mortality. Don't worry, yep. you'll survive. Kryptonite will work its way out of your lungs soon enough. But I want you to remember, Clark, my hand. It doesn't say my hand at your throat. They kind of change it up a little bit from the book. He says, um, I want you to remember in your most private moments the mm-hmm. one man who beat you. And beat then he you. succumbs to like his fake heart attack and yep. promptly dies, right? Just everything about that book and that movie just resonates with me on such a personal level because this this is it's like a, a showcase of you know if you're ever feeling like you're done with something and it just keeps calling at you and you can't yeah. help it you can step back into it even though you're probably going to go through a trial of hell getting back into it yeah and he goes through like a gauntlet of it too like he starts off with two-face goes against the mutant then against his most yep. devious foe the joker and then finally like you know the big boss himself superman and then kind of calls it quits but secretly and that's what i love too like it has an open-ended ending where you know he's done but he's not really done yeah i mean you can even tell and superman knows that he's alive right but batman and him have this understanding and you know they they even ask batman like what if they come for us and batman's like as long as we stay out of his way Mm-hmm. we keep to ourselves there's not going to be a problem and also the mutant fight with the leader is just too damn iconic yeah it's such a good fight and like he pops out of the big old tank and batmobile and he goes okay son show me yeah <laughs> yeah and then they're fighting the mud hole this isn't a mud hole it's an operating table snap and i'm yeah. the surgeon iconic absolutely iconic um, Batman and his followers riding into Gotham on horseback. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Grabs the rifle. These are the tool. What does he say? He's like, these are the tools of cowards or something like that. Something these are line. weak and clumsy. Clumsy. That's it. Yep. Loud and clumsy. That's what he says. Yeah. These are loud and clumsy. Tonight, we are the law. Tonight, I am the law. <laughs> he totally pulls a Judge Dredd. Yeah, he does. <laughs> ironic too coming from the voice of robocop you're right (laughs) absolutely right about that yeah that's funny oh man which i think that's another reason why i was so excited when this movie came out because robocop is probably up there probably not in my top five but it's definitely in my top 10 favorite movies of all time that's another one as a shot again this was it's a different day and age. <laughs> I grew up, I, I think I first saw that movie when I was like six or seven when I saw RoboCop for the first time because my parents were like, oh, it's, it's a robot cop. How violent can it be? Little did they know. And to hear RoboCop's voice applied to Batman was just really, really cool for me. Yeah, like I said, Peter Peter Weller criminally underrated. Like a lot of this voice cast is just criminally underrated as, yeah. as whoever 
whichever role you're talking about, just phenomenal, no matter what way you spin it. But yeah, these are these are our uh, top five Batman animated films. Pretty impressive list, all things considered. Very, very good list. Even though we kind of did some certain roundabout ways of getting there. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you know, we, we don't try and figure each other's lists out, even though our number ones are pretty obvious. Yeah. But, yeah, this this is always, you know, these top fives that we do, I think, are, are good to get our brains jogging in terms of, like, certain aspects of Batman and what, you know, different elements can be thrown together, what ones speak out to us a lot. Lots of fun. Lots of fun to be had. Speaking of fun, you know what's always fun? Batman the Animated Series. So for anyone listening along, if you've been listening along, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, we are doing kind of a, a rewatch of Batman the Animated Series, and we are now up to episode, I want to say six, 15, 16? 16. I think in, in the continuity that we're watching, it's the 16th episode. Yeah, because I think um, the way that they're the way that HBO Max has it is like, not production order, but they're doing like uh, air order maybe? I don't know might be air order i have no idea no i think their order is actually a little bit different than air order but yeah so if you're if you're watching along on hbo max like we are uh number 16 eternal youth that is our next episode we're going to be talking about here uh it's a poison ivy centric episode i was very happy to revisit this one it was one of my favorites as a kid growing up uh craig do you have any high level thoughts before we get into the meat of this episode yeah, I watched, I remember this. This is one of those ones where the imagery sticks in my head. I remember very specific moments, even though I haven't watched this show in so long. Mm-hmm. I Watching the episode, I'm like, I remember that clip when I was a kid. I remember that scene scaring the absolute shit out of me when I was a kid. Um, I remember those damn cookies. <laughs> I still want to know what those cookies are made of. <laughs> those uh... mint cookies whatever they are well they're mint but they were made with like uh whatever her what was it duramite or something like that duramite i believe yeah uh but yeah this this episode demetrite yep this episode i remember very specific imagery from it not necessarily the plot line although i remembered a little bit of it but uh yeah really fun one yeah, to put it loosely, the, the things I remembered about this before I rewatched it again today, um, the basic gist of it was I remembered Poison Ivy was the villain. I remembered that Alfred and his girlfriend go to the spa that this episode predominantly takes place at. And then I remember they all get turned into trees. Yeah. <laughs> Which yep. is kind of a wild concept to take into consideration. But this is also, uh, even after rewatching it, it really does feel like another episode 
that kind of grounds poison ivy in a certain mm-hmm. way that you could almost maybe buy as realistic to some extent yeah. or another. Batman even labels her an echo terrorist in this episode too. So, and and we will get into some certain funny continuity hints here, but um, mm-hmm. you know the episode kind of opens up with a woman running into a forest being stalked by another woman with a canister. It's revealed to be Poison Ivy who douses this woman with uh, gas, turning her stiff and citing her and many others that owe the world a great debt. And then it cuts to Bruce Wayne yelling at a colleague of Wayne Enterprises for trying to broker a deal to destroy a rainforest. Yeah, that's... Huh. Rainforest. An episode <laughs> called Eternal Youth with Poison Ivy as the main antagonist. What are the chances? What are the chances? But... After he's done yelling at his colleague, you know, they get Alfred gets the mail, lets him know he's won like ten million dollars, but then also pulls out a VHS tape. A VHS tape, Craig. How old are those? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Perfect nineties nostalgia right there. And it turns out to be an invitation from Violet and Lily, these two young women who work at this place called the Eternal Use Spa. And allegedly this doctor has concocted an enzyme or drink or, you know, this secret sauce i don't know what do you even want to call it like this yeah she never really she says it's like it's something that she created but it's like i know by the point halfway through the episode she even says like it's in the water it's in the food it's in the plants it's in the air you breathe and you're like okay what is this like miracle compound that you've created (laughs) demetrite and it's yep. funny because as we as we know, and as anyone who's watched the show or is rewatching the show, if you're, this is your first time watching, congratulations. Uh, spoilers, Doctor Demeter, mm, Greek goddess reference there. Mm-hmm. Red yep. hair, it's poison ivy. Like there's anyone with a brain would figure out it's poison ivy, except Alfred apparently. Yeah, but what's also funny, an interesting design choice that I thought in terms of the storytelling. In the terms of the production run, we already know who Poison Ivy is. Yet at the beginning of the episode, they have her like her face is like blacked out, but you clearly see her red hair. Right. So it's like if you've been watching the show, you know this is Poison Ivy. Why why are you hiding her? <laughs> this is true. But after that, um, you know, after they after Bruce and Alfred see this VHS tape inviting Bruce to the spa. That apparently claims to you know reverse the aging process yeah <laughs> alfred is then met at the door by a long time fling friend i don't know if you call her a girlfriend her name is maggie friend Page. quotes <laughs> yeah definitely and they decide to go to the spa in place of bruce wayne yeah so maggie they, is her name yep maggie page so they go to the spa they have the demetrite and they drink the water and they suddenly feel all better meanwhile bruce is back in gotham with gordon going over all these missing industrialists who've gone missing over the last few weeks and batman goes to the home of the woman we saw earlier identified as mrs thomas and finds another tape to the eternal use spa at this point batman's kind of starting to put two and two together gives alfred a ring at the spa and there's a very big difference in the way alfred is talking about this place as opposed to 24 or 48 hours ago prior to when he left because he was not digging this place at all until he ate the detrimite demetrite mm-hmm. cookie and then drank the water there was a change right gave him, gave him a little spring in his step right i see what you did there you sly <laughs> sob you think you're funny but i got you <laughs> no that was a good one i i applaud that so then after that 
Alfred returns back to Wayne Manor. Batman's coming back into the cave, but then he finds a bunch of plants all around the Batcave, and he's just like, uh... Now, this part made me laugh, because the Same. when he drives into the cave, it's from this, like, top-down view, mm-hmm. so you're looking, like, from pretty high up on the cave, looking down, and there are plants hanging up there, and I'm sitting there going, how did Alfred get those up there? Did he really get like a gigantic ladder? And he's like, "All right, I'm gonna hang all these plants all over the bat cave." You know, he probably got one of the bats to pull him up there, or maybe, maybe. a few. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Uh, that's that's the only thing I can come to outside of getting a really large ladder. Robin Robin's not in this storyline yet. So he could have had Robin hop up there and put him up there for him. I mean, Robin was probably busy at college, so who <laughs> yeah. knows? So. Alfred then proceeds to show Bruce this Demetrite and then takes a drink of it, like a full-on drink of it, but yeah. falls over, like falls forward and like stumbles, right? So then Bruce puts Alfred to bed and then begins to investigate the Demetrite, comes into contact with, um, he puts the, okay, so I'm, I'm getting my scenes. Human plasma. He's right. got a, he has a little vial of human plasma and he adds it, he puts the Demetrite in there with it. And right. just immediately all these vines and stuff spring out of it so before that alfred uh, you know it kind of cuts the next day alfred wakes up he sees maggie and they're both just inclined to go back to the eternal use spa they just have this need to go back there almost like they're addicted maybe yeah matter of fact probably Mm -hmm. and then you know alfred maggie they reunite with the doctor only to see just the absolute horrors of what she has in store for for anyone using the demetrite and you know alfred figures out oh shit it's poison ivy well, no shit, Sherlock. You should have probably should have a lot sooner. Probably should have kept an eye on that, Al, when you were doing the research on her in the first episode of Poison Ivy. Pretty poison. <laughs> he was the one that did the research on her, Al. You should uh, know. Yeah. Just because she has glasses on doesn't mean she's a different character. So, of course, unfortunately, uh, Alfred and Maggie get gassed by Violet and Lily, and then they, you know, we don't see them yet, but we mm-hmm. will. And we see this... them freeze. Like, you see yes. them stop in place but you don't see what happens yet right and so batman arrives via glider breaks through the window finds the forest but however he's met by poison ivy and her two henchwomen again violet and lily then um it's interesting because ivy point like batman makes the mention of like you know you've got a lot of strange trees and then poison ivy go lets her lets him know yes subtropica brasilius this sap is the same sap that she uses for the demetrite and then Ivy then reveals her growth of human tree hybrids, and it is just a sight of horrors. Yeah, it's freaky. It is wicked freaky, right? And even the look on Batman's face after seeing it, Alfred and Maggie, he's just devastated, yeah. horrified, right? Like, it's it's almost like walking into a horror movie. It's like, it's like, you know, Medusa crossed with, oh, damn, what horror movie am I thinking of right now? Oh, my gosh. Can't Captain name Planet. It. Yeah. <laughs> maybe just a little bit or even like yeah. um chronicles of narnia yeah a little bit like that so but... if you think about it so far in the show we're what 16 17 episodes in mm-hmm. that a little bit of like kind of supernatural kind of stuff you know man bat um clay face that kind of stuff this is one of the few times where you're just like holy shit <laughs> wait a minute you're turning people into trees the worst part is I could actually see this happening in the Batman universe mm-hmm. or something well, like it. Because she even tells him too, that like 
right now it's like more like an exoskeleton like mm -hmm. right now the bark has just grown over their bodies and they're frozen in place but she makes sure to tell batman that like the longer they stay in this form the more the vegetation is going to take over right and they are going to literally turn into trees they're they're going to lose their humanity they're going to become living trees right and by this point ivy thinks she's won. she you know coerces or not coerces she you know tells her henchwomen like douse him give him all the spray and makes note that it's like a triple the strength formula however before batman even shows up he or yeah before batman shows up he lets her know as he's getting doused. He's like, look, you you made the mistake of giving your formula away, and I have created a herbicidal antidote and covered my whole costume in it. Yeah. So you're screwed, lady. Yeah. Proceeds to pursue, pursue her henchwoman, gets them all both tied up, and then pursues Ivy through the forest. And here's what I love about this episode the most, because it's kind of a harken back to like the Silver Age comics where Poison Ivy did, in fact, have like a little handbow, if you will. She mm -hmm. gets Batman stuck to a tree, but then he yeah. winds up like getting a batarang off and totally getting the enzyme on the ground. A giant tree erupts and destroys, you know, the whole spot. Like everything is just giant tree now. It's like Deku well, from Legend of Zelda. Quick second, for a quick second there, you think that like <laughs> that poison ivy died mm -hmm. because because the way the tree uproots and she's like stuck on the top of the tree. And that thing goes through the glass ceiling mm -hmm. of that building. You're like, did she just get either squished and or cut to ribbons by that glass? Right. But of course, you can't do that in this show. So well, she she ends and, up just being stuck up in the tree. And even at the end of the episode, like they don't exactly make it clear what happened to her because the episode ends with just Maggie and Alfred recovering in the hospital yeah. and Bruce and his incompetence brings a tree as for comfort a little sad <laughs> and again they, they both are like please bruce no right yeah this episode was one of my favorites growing up i enjoyed it and even looking back at it now there's some things in it that i'm like i'm kind of raising an eyebrow at but not too hard at because you know it's the animated series oh. right you know i didn't realize until re-watching it how thirsty maggie is for alfred yes that she wants alfred she wants him bad she wants some of the pennyworth. <laughs> she wants a little bit of that pennyworth. Yes, indeed. Like when they come back from the spa for the first mm -hmm. time and they're both like rejuvenated and Alfred's like, all right, I'll see you later. And he gives her a kiss on the cheek. And she's like, oh, my. I was like, oh, man, Alfred just got her. <laughs> mm -mm -mm. Got her in the mood. I don't even need that mental image right now. <laughs> Not again. No. Uh, but this episode also, uh, I actually specifically wrote this quote down because I love Conroy's delivery in this uh, scene. It's when she reveals the trees mm -hmm. and uh, Poison Ivy says, let me pull it up here. Poison Ivy says, uh, right now the bark is merely exoskeletal. It'll take months of additional spraying before the transformations become irreversible. But of course, I have the patience of a redwood and Batman just looks at her. And the convictions of a fanatic. It's just like Kevin Conroy's delivery, man. His line delivery in this show is just top notch. Oh, I don't disagree at all. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, it's Kevin Conroy, man. How? How? What? Yeah. When has he ever missed? <laughs> Even in the bad you stuff. Slime. <laughs> you lying sleaze. 
<laughs> I love that line still to this day. So I think overall, I'm probably going to land on a three and a half out of five bat wings. I'd say a three and a half. Batman kind of takes a little bit of a backseat to this. It kind of focuses a bit more on Alfred and Maggie. Um, but I mean, he comes in when it's necessary. Um, got a little bit of a goofy premise. And again, like I, I just find it weird that like Alfred couldn't tell that it was poison Ivy, even though he's the one that did the research on her in pretty poison. <laughs> well, Hey man, that Clark Kent disguise, it works. Very true. Maybe, <laughs> maybe she got a pair of Clark Kent's glasses and that's how she was able to trick him. Yeah. I think for me, the re the reason I'm giving it like a three out of, it's not because I didn't enjoy the story. I just think it kind of ends on a very unanswered note. Mm -hmm. if you will you know because obviously she shows up later on in the series you don't really get much of a you know not a reconciliation you don't, you don't get much closure with what happened to her as a character in this episode right like, yeah did she ever pay for these crimes obviously you know alfred and maggie are fine all the other people are going to recover but what exactly happens to poison ivy after this yeah so i i liked it a lot it's still you know it still sticks with me mm -hmm. uh, but i think a 3.5 out of 5 is is apt for this yeah. episode in particular i'd agree well craig that with that said that is where we come to an end here in another episode of the eternal night but i know our next one's going to be a real doozy so why don't you go ahead and tease everyone what's to come yeah so um i mentioned this to phil while we were coming up with the idea for this episode and i was like well wait a minute we've been doing a couple of commentaries there's one Batman movie in particular that we should probably do a commentary on. So uh, next episode, we are doing a commentary on The Batman, Robert Pattinson. Very excited to do this. As am I, because there's going to be a multitude of ways we can watch this. It's hitting physical release here in about a week. Matter mm -hmm. of fact, I think a week from today. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, a week from today as of recording this episode. It comes out on the 24th physically. Oh, there we go. So and i'm sure it'll still be on hbo max but yeah we are gonna absolutely do a commentary track to batman to the batman it's going to be a full three hours we are going to invest in it we are going to put in the time we are going to watch mm -hmm. this movie not necessarily a scene by scene but by that said um there is a podcast i am listening to that is doing a scene by scene breakdown dc dc Squadcast is doing their uh, scene by scene breakdown of this movie and i'm digging it so far so good job scott and tim you guys are doing a really great job with that because um that there, there's an it it's specific to itunes itunes is the only um outlet that has the director's commentary for this i saw that for that the, is a very strange for the digital only i think i don't know if it comes on the physical copy yet but yeah on itunes if you buy the batman digitally it comes with the director's commentary and there have been some tidbits that Tim's talked about on DC Squadcast that have my ears perked. And I'm just like, I really don't want to get in my iTunes account running up again just so I can buy this one movie just to have this <laughs> have one movie on it. Just to have the one director's commentary that I'm actually very curious to listen to, right? Yeah. Like, that. that is just not going to happen. I would rather wait for the YouTube rip. I'm looking on the Amazon listing for the blu-ray release trying to see if it has commentary i know for sure that some of the deleted scenes have director's commentary let's see deleted scenes with director's commentary anatomy of the car chase batman genesis vengeance in the making making of documentary yeah there is no commentary 
besides the deleted scenes. Yeah. So it looks like iTunes still has the only director's as commentary. That's very strange. So I guess you could say we're kind of doing this in response to iTunes having <laughs> yeah. the exclusive Jeez. commentary. We're just going to do one on our own. How about that? We're going to do our own commentary. Indeed, we will. And then after that, um, th- on that episode, we will not be doing a, an animated series review for very obvious yeah, no. reasons. <laughs> but the next episode after that will be dedicated to the two-parter, the two-face episodes, if you guys are still following along with us on HBO Max. And then after that, I believe, is Fear of Victory, which is a Robin episode as well as a Scarecrow episode. So we got a lot in the can coming. A lot on the docket, I should say. be a lot of fun super fun that's how we roll on the eternal night fun 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 the fun train never stops that because craig and i aren't gatekeeping jerks who want batman one specific way or another yeah no i just want to i want new experiences all the time yarp well buddy that said where can people find you if they wish to follow you along on the social medias on the social medias, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, I can't believe I'm saying, I can't believe I'm saying this. You can now find me on TikTok. <laughs> All three uh, are the same Craigie Omega, C R A I G G Y O M E G A. Just a heads up, folks. I can't believe I did it. Craig is a much better TikToker than I am. That's for damn sure. But yes. Yeah, you know, I was honestly kind of surprised. I, I didn't think. Uh, I've only posted what maybe three or four so far. I've had it for mm-hmm. about a week, and one of them. And I, I mean, this this is small in terms of TikTok numbers, but for me, it was I was kind of surprised. One of mine, I've already hit, I've already gotten close to sixteen hundred views on it. So I'm oh, kind of wow. like, wow, Good okay, you, buddy, that's cool. Yeah, so give Craig a follow. You can on TikTok especially because you can see a lot of his lovely little cat videos, his love mm-hmm. for My Chemical Romance, and all the music he loves to listen to. So, yeah, give Craig a follow on, you know, all them social platforms. Um, Don't forget to follow this show, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, T-E-K underscore podcast. And you can also follow me along on Twitter, Vero, Instagram, as well as TikTok, just at unfiltered, U-N-P-H-I-L-T-E-R-E-D-D-D. And also, if you guys would be really kind, by all means, leave us a review on iTunes or Podbean. Helps the show gets noticed. That's all we ask. Um, but it would be really sweet to hear from you guys and see what you guys have to say. Or even shoot us an email just at eternalnightpod at gmail.com. Any questions, comments, feel free to chime in with your favorite animated movies or such. We'd really love to hear from anyone out there listening. But until then, guys, keep your guys' signal lit. Stay safe. Have a great day or night, whatever your listening preference is. As always, stay vengeful. Take care.
Thank you for listening to The Eternal Night. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Media or DC Entertainment. All thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. Drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at T-E-K underscore podcast. Thank you.